Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Yeah, at one point we didn't know how we were going to get through all of this, but the Lord got us through. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, so uh, 2021, it's going to be? All right, so good. We, uh, we took the opportunity this last Wednesday evening to do an annual general meeting we gathered together all of the heads of department and our community connect group leaders, and uh, we uh, took votes on, on the finances and that sort of thing, and everything is in just amazing uh, place of the Lord's provision. And, um, you know, just to say that one of the things that we were just celebrating was we, the, the, uh, the fact of an all-time record tithe month actually happened in the middle of lockdown. I'm just wondering if there are a few believers in the room who kind of like a little... What it points to is a few things. One, the Lord can do things regardless of what's happening on the planet. He can do things over and above. So he can cause things to manifest opposite to the season or the circumstances that's going around. He can do that. He poured out his favor and his blessing upon his people. Even as we prayed, declared, and prophesied, he did it. It also points to the enormous faithfulness of the family. And that the Lord has caused us to walk in a level of maturity and trust and of faith. Because tithes come from people. And each of those people, those families, have a decision and a choice to make. Are we going to hold this back? Or are we actually going to give to the Lord what is His? And over and over and over again, the people in this family chose to release to the Lord what was His. And that is just an amazing blessing to us as a leadership and to all of the community connect group leaders that we're walking with a family that is believing the Lord and trusting Him. And uh, it's not just, you know, we, we have words but no actions, but we have tangible actions that we're seeing people are walking in, and, and that is just so, so gratifying. So it's just such a, a privilege to be part of this, this family of God in this place. So why don't you give yourselves another round of applause. Yeah, so good. And of course, we want to thank the, the family that's watching online as well. You know, we can't all be in the building, and thank you for creating space, you know, that we, uh, um, we, we take turns, if you like, to get into the building here. So thank you, really do, do value and appreciate. And, um, and this year, when you do go on holiday, well, we can still see you on Sunday mornings. Come on, 2020 has brought about a massive change. We weren't able to do that in the past. So we're, we're glad that we're able to look through the camera and we're going to see you guys. And um, yeah, nice one, guys. All right. So, so thrilled. You know, the <laughs> when we make and we release prophetic declarations. Some of it is like very clearly the Lord has spoken and we're releasing a prophetic word. Sometimes there's this general sense of what the Lord is wanting to do and we make a declaration in the direction of what we feel and sense the Lord is wanting to take us. And there's a subtle difference. All right? And, um, but one of the things that we really felt to kind of make some declarations and, and pray into was this area of innovation and that the Lord would release new technologies and so on. And, and um, I'm just going to say that 
we, we've, got the, we've got the proof. There's actually a certificate from Wits University to uh, one of our members who got the Innovation Award for what was designed. So, congrats, Billy. And, uh, and I know that the Lord has released loads of innovative ideas, and we were praying into this thing in terms of business, that the Lord would give us new ways of doing things, there would be new business opportunities, that there would be acceleration. Yeah, that's been another word that we've been sort of praying into and declaring. And we have seen a number of people, and I'm just looking across the congregation, where some of you have come and you've given testimony, say, you know, there were three months when nothing was really happening, and then in one month, we had five months worth of income in one month that more than made up for the three months that we weren't open. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you, I know why you guys are so quiet. It's kind of like, oh, of course, man. That's exactly what we prayed, so why are we surprised? <laughs> uh, come on, just messing with you. It's a fun day today. Yeah? It's a fun day. It's a fun day for our matrix. Come on, guys. We, we need to view this thing differently. I know it's really difficult. But you know what? The Lord is giving another opportunity to fine-tune the things that were perhaps lacking in study. There's an opportunity to fine-tune and to improve. So come on, let's just, let's just declare that into these, these youngsters. Yeah? And it's not an obstacle. Hey, it's an opportunity for you to do even better than you would have done. The Lord is causing you to rise like cream to the top of the milk. Yay! You're awesome. You're amazing. Yay. All right. We've been sharing the last little while uh, as we've been looking at the backdrop of how God was dealing with his people in an extended lockdown. It was called the exile. And we looked through some of the prophetic lenses, whether they were Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah, uh, Habakkuk, Haggai, Zechariah, all these different guys. Some of them were pre the lockdown, some of them were in the lockdown, and some of them were on the way out of lockdown. And and we looked to see what were some of the principles that the Lord was revealing to us through what his people went through. I mean, their lockdown was 70 years, and I'm certainly not prophesying a 70-year lockdown. Ah. All right, But there were principles of God working with his people during an extended lockdown. And you know, when we started out in March of this year, uh, the lockdown was, best, was supposed to be 21 days. Can you remember that far back? It was actually still this year. Gosh, how much has happened in one year? It feels like definitely like double portion year. So, as we, as we, we, we look to see what, what God has been doing, he's been doing similar things with us through this lockdown period, and he's been encouraging us through this thing that extended way beyond the first 21 days and through into a number of months. And how the Lord was giving us a perspective of what he was doing in the body of Christ, what he's doing in the nation and the world, but also what he's doing in our lives individually. And that helps us to get a different perspective. And um, so what I want to do this morning is I, I want to um, bring us into a New Testament passage that speaks to people who feel like they're in exile. Is that right? Yeah? So that we, we're getting this, this good... Um, you know, stereo effect. You know, we got it from the, the Old Testament prophets, and now we're going to get it uh, from a New Testament uh, apostle. We're going to go and we're going to look in the letters of Peter. So if you want to turn on your device and turn to First Peter, that'll, that'll be good. Now, we, we know that our friend Peter, he's the, he's the amazing guy. He's the guy who walked on water. Yeah? Uh, that's, that's, that's quite a, 
quite an interesting um, thing that he, he managed to you know, do with, with the Lord. He was there uh, as, a, as a fisherman. He was absolutely delighted when they were handing out five loaves and two fish that he could get the smell of fish on his fingers again. Yeah, because the fish multiplied in the disciples' hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the food didn't multiply in Jesus' hands. The food multiplied in the disciples' hands. Oh, that makes a world of difference. If it was only multiplied in Jesus' hands, what chance have we got? But it multiplied in the hands of the followers. Disciple means a learner follower. And we are learner followers of Jesus. We're learning from him. We're growing. And as we follow him, he causes us to walk in his ways. And, and he says, listen, these things that I've been doing, you will also do. And in fact, you're going to go to the next level. And so because we have the example of the food multiplying in the hands of the disciples, it gives us hope and courage. You know what? It can multiply in our hands as well. I'm going to preach myself happy this morning. Yay. So many, so many good things that, that, that Peter got to experience, he, he got to be a part of. I mean, he was there at the, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, he did have, you know, this, this issue. He had foot-in-mouth disease. And, and Peter would often just blurt out things, you know. He would speak first and think later. And you might have some friends like that. And she's going like, oh my goodness, they're so embarrassing. How could they say that? You know? And, and they don't always follow through on their big statements. Like Jesus, you know, as for these other 11, we're not so sure about them. But me, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus says, listen, there's a little rooster. There's a little app that's going to appear. And... Uh, He wasn't able to follow through on his big statements. Whew, but Jesus, amazing. He comes to him. <laughs> it's another fishy story again. Because the guys, after the resurrection, after Jesus had appeared to them, for some reason they decide, let's go back fishing. And then Jesus does another one of these amazing, come follow me, supernatural encounters. You see, the first one, about three and a half years earlier, Jesus, he's standing in the boat that belongs to Peter, right there at the shoreline, and he's speaking to the multitudes. And Peter and the gang, they just been mending their nets and then Jesus after he's finished his sermon he says thanks how much for the boat I tell you what I'll pay you with a catch of fish it's not in the text I'm just ad-libbing here some of you can like what gospel is that now Jesus just showing something here thank you for Surrendering the use of your boat. Now I'm going to bless you in return. You can never outgive God. So he says, Master, um, we're fishermen. We've been doing it our whole lives. This is a generational thing. We know the conditions. This is altogether the wrong time to go fishing. But nevertheless, because of your word. He, God's so good like this. He had, a, he had a reason to hang the nevertheless. Because a few days before, 
he'd seen Jesus go and raise up immediately from her sickbed, might even have been close to her deathbed, Peter's mother-in-law. So Jesus has already displayed his supernatural power like Peter was there, his mother-in-law's spot. So because of your word, all right, we'll go fishing. And they go and they, they launch out. This time they're out in the deep and they let down a catch and it's so big they've got to get two boats worth to try and bring it in. And, and even then the boats are kind of like straining about to sink. And Jesus says, come follow me. I mean, goodness, the biggest catch they've ever had. Come on, business guys. Sometimes the Lord asks you to do something, and then you get the biggest deal ever. And then he says, okay, now I want you to do this with and for me. Uh, but I've just had my best turnover ever. Just landed the biggest contract. I'm speaking to somebody this morning. But there was enough resource in the sale from that catch of fish that was able to supply the family while Peter went off following Jesus. God will provide. God will provide. Three and a half years later, there's another one of these come follow me encounters. Jesus on the shore. The guys have been fishing all night. Hey! Hey, you oaks! Did you catch anything? Because, you know, they're going to be oaks of righteousness. Hey, you oaks! Nothing! Hey! Lop aside. Huh? Try there. And these guys take their nets, let it down on the other side. Massive, massive catch. Peter, he still didn't even recognize that it was Jesus. John, the beloved, says, Hey, I've got a revelation. It's like we've been here before. We've seen this before. It's the Lord. Peter. <gasps> Puts on his outer garment. Now this I don't quite understand. Because he had his garment off because he's busy fishing. And you know, you probably you don't want to get messed up. But he puts on the outer garment and then he jumps in the water. And then he heads off to the beach. And then he just like, he's there with, with Jesus. And Jesus restores him. He denied Jesus three times. Jesus restores him three times. Do you love me more than these? Remember you said, don't worry about these other 11. I'll follow you. Do you really love me more than these others? Yes, Lord. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. Feed my sheep. Three different things. Feed the lambs. Tend the sheep. Feed the sheep. That's what shepherds do. So he transitioned from being a fisherman to a shepherd. He's got all of these things, all of these phenomenal encounters. I mean, gosh, <laughs> you look in the book of Acts, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit is, is blowing through God's people, and he's causing them to do the most extraordinary things. Like, they, they go past this guy who's begging. And, and they've been doing this for years. There's a guy who'd been there begging since he was a lighty. He's about 40 now. 
And he's been begging and begging. And Jesus would have gone past this guy many times. But Jesus left something for the disciples to do. He says, hey, look at me. Because the guy was wanting arms. I mean, really he wanted legs, but... Sorry, bad dad joke. It is December. Sorry, guys. Dad jokes. He's wanting money. And uh, I said, hey, look at us. We are not carrying anything right now. But what we do have, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the guy instantly jumps up. And then he goes into the prayer area and they start having a praise party. The religious people get upset when there's a praise party. Ask my friend Sean Foyt. The religious people get upset when there's a praise party. These guys get beaten, put in jail. I mean, this is one of the most crazy things. Peter, an angel appears and lets Peter out. Guys knocking on that, doing a prayer meeting, you know, praying for his release. He gets to the prayer meeting. He says, yeah, uh, the prayers have been answered. The young lady who went to the, ga- to, to the gate or the door, whatever, it's kind of like, oh my goodness, freaks out, comes back. Their conclusion, it must be Peter's angel. Seems to indicate that they were okay with angels being around. We're not getting into crazy stuff, but I think we've so bought into the scientific method of evaluating everything in life that we're diminishing the spiritual realm, the supernatural realm. But the early church had a grid for this kind of thing. So this is Peter. I mean, he's just had some phenomenal things. Then there was persecution breaks out, and these guys get, uh, get scattered to different parts of the, of the known world. And uh, so about the year... 60, 61 AD, Peter finds himself in Rome, we think. We think he's in Rome. Catholics will tell us definitely he's in Rome. <laughs> but, uh, but this time last year, we, we had the privilege of, of being there in Rome and just you know, seeing some of the things that people have been holding on to for 2,000 years. Some of it is really good. Some of it is a little bit, you know, off the edge. But that's okay. But Peter's there. He's been scattered because of persecution. In a sense, he's been sent away into an exile, so to speak. Because he, his, his area of birth would have been Lake Galilee. He would have been familiar with Jerusalem. He would have been familiar with the land. But here he is, way over there in Rome. And he's there because of persecution. Right? Stephen got stoned. And on that day, a great persecution broke out. And... uh, and so the people of God moved away from Jerusalem to, to escape the, the hardship, the persecution. And, and by persecution, we mean a lot more than just, hey, the boss made a funny joke about my religious beliefs. You know? We've got brothers and sisters in the faith on this continent who are being murdered, slaughtered for their faith, even this weekend. We, we, we need, 
I'm preaching in different directions than I really want to get to. But I believe the Lord's on this. We need to come to a place of greater maturity. That when things go a little bit hard, tough, difficult, that we don't melt in a puddle. We've not resisted up to the point of shedding our own blood. The reality is that Jesus said, in this world, there'll be some trouble. But don't worry, I've overcome. Don't worry about them who can beat the body, be concerned about the eternal state of things. It's not just about our comfort. Look, I'd, I'd like to join the front of the line when it comes to dishing out comfort. I'm, I'm, I'm not anti being comfortable. All right, just in case you think I'm like always on this harping negative about. Listen, we appreciate when the Lord blesses us and there's peace and there's comfort. We do enjoy this. But we do not make that the goal of our Christianity. Daryl, I think we just lost about half the congregation there. Um, They thought they'd sign up for something different. I'm just teasing, man. Of course, you're not going to run away. But the point is that sometimes we get, we get, um, we get drawn after the, the, the kindnesses, the tender mercies, the provision and the blessings and the favor of God. It is attractive and it's meant to be attractive. And it's going to be one of the things that are going to attract people. He's the desire of all the nations. He is attractive, and following him is attractive. But it's got to be him more than the stuff that he gives. And that's the subtle distinction. And sometimes there's seasons where we're allowed to be tried and tested to see, is it just for the things, or is it for the one? I've got some scripture for you. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, his chosen ones, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Just going to pause there for now, just the beginning part. So Peter is writing in Rome as an exile and he's writing to other exiles. He's in lockdown and he's writing to other people who are in lockdown. Okay, he's deliberately using analogy, understanding he's writing to a bunch of people. A good portion of the people receiving this letter would have been believing Jews. People who'd come to put their faith in Christ Jesus, but they were of Hebrew origin. So he's using terminology that they're fully acquainted with. They know all about this. We are God's people. We're the chosen ones. According to the foreknowledge of the Father, that's us. We're exiles. And, and, and he lists some of the places that you will see in Acts chapter 1. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, sorry, Acts chapter 2, all these people came from these different areas. We see some of the the same regions represented here in this letter. They were there when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. 
And so he's writing to these people and he's saying, you are uh, like exiles, you're like sojourners. Uh, Luther called them pilgrims, but the, 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 the connotation to this word uh, uh, being a, a stranger, one of the um, uh, translations uses, or exiles, is that you're in a place that's foreign to you. They speak a foreign language, and they have foreign customs and beliefs. And he's saying this, I, I want you to see this. He's saying this, it's foreign because the land of your birth is actually the promised land. And so you're in exile from the promised land. All right. Here, he's not saying heaven is your home and you're in exile down here. He's not saying that. You can't do that with this piece of scripture. So yes, we're living as ambassadors here on earth and we've drawn our citizenship but we're living as foreigners in this land. My son was born in America. He is a US citizen. I inquired of him how he was going to use his vote. Because he can. He's a citizen. But he grew up in a foreign land. Here. And we eat very different food. And our language is different. Our customs, all these different things, way different. But he's living, if you like, as an alien foreigner now conversely when Lisa and I when we moved to the US in 95 the guy who picked us up from the airport phoned through to the church office there because we went to go and be part of a church community while I was working I was bivocational and he said the aliens have landed in the correct use of the word alien, foreigner. You see, we came from a different culture, a different citizenship, and then we came and we were living alongside. That's the connotation of this word. You are living alongside people who live differently from you. In that sense, you're in exile. And he's drawing on the, God, on the way God's people, like Jeremiah, prophesied to them. He said, guys, you're going off for 70 years, but pray for the prosperity of the city to which I'm sending you into exile. It's Babylon. Babylon. <laughs> pray for its success and prosperity, because if it succeeds, you too will succeed. You know what? Plant stuff. Let your kids get married. Have grandchildren. Have tons of them. Get back at your kids. Encourage them to have grandkids. You're here for a long time. Get yourself established. But do not become contaminated with the stuff that is foreign. You're in lockdown, don't think the way they think. Don't live the way they're living. And that's the connotation that Peter is giving to the recipients of the letter. And, uh, and, and we know that the, they, the, all, the, the, um, a lot of the imagery... In Peter's letters, he's speaking to Jewish people. He's, he's going to go in, in, in chapter 2, you know, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You've chosen a royal priest of the holy nation. He, he's, he's using temple language. He's using all these things. We know that he's drawing on Hebrew roots 
but he's bringing them into the new covenant understanding. Mm-hmm. He's also writing to Gentile people, and he's certainly not saying, Gentile people, you've got to go back and do the root stuff. Because we're in a new covenant. Come on, why do you want to go back to the old covenant? Hebrews tells us it's a far superior covenant. Get in the new covenant, people. All right. The shadow, a couple of things we can learn from the shadow. But for goodness sake, go for the substance. People who spend all their time going after the shadow. Okay. (laughs) Praise, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. We are born again. The new birth, being born from above. Hey, this term, being born again, I know that, you know, atheists and secularists and humanists and all the rest of it want to say, oh, this is just some kind of newfangled, you know, thing. No, it's 2,000 years old. John says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's not an option. And so Peter's writing to these these believers and he's he's saying hey it's because of his great mercy i mean his mercies are unfailing new and fresh every day and now he puts this sort of amplification on it and he says because of his great mercy <laughs> he has given us new birth into a living hope come on you're in exile but you have a living hope you don't just have hope you have living hope come on I I hope you're going to see this quickly and we're going to we're going to land the plane even before we've got up to altitude but anyway this thing of living hope he is our hope May the God of all hope fill you with great joy. Okay, he's the God of hope. Our hope is not just in him. He is the source, the fountain, the very origin of hope. He's alive. We were singing that this morning. We've come out of the grave. Like he came out of the grave, he's alive, he's an eternal, everlasting, always living God. That's why the writers in the Old Testament, they kept saying, you know, we serve the living God. When, when, when Mo had to go and challenge Pharaoh, he says, listen, I'm so, this the living God. This is not an idol. You know, you carve a few ears on the thing, doesn't hear. You carve some eyeballs, doesn't see. You carve a mouth, doesn't speak. No, no, living God. We serve the living God. Yeah? Absolutely amazing. Because he's alive... And he's the God of hope, the source of hope. We have a living hope. We have access to him. We have access to hope. It's an eternal hope. That hope pulls us. It's like, a, it's like an anchor that's t- tied with a rope. And it pulls us into the very throne room of God. We have this anchor for our souls. The storms raging about. 
and people don't know what's going to happen with the economy and are we going into another wave and stricter lockdown, what's happening with all this stuff and there's chaos and there's buffeting and we are, we thought the storm had passed, you know, it turns out we were just in the eye of the storm and now we're going into the outer strands of it again. Doesn't matter, we have this anchor connected to the deepest part of us. We have this hope, and it's a living hope. Through, <laughs> listen, watch this here. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If it was just the cross, that would have been the most insane sacrifice. If he never got up from the grave, we're the most miserable of all people. Scripture says, because we've put our hope in something that is a, is a myth, it's a fable, it's a fake. It's the resurrection. It's the empty tomb. It's because of the resurrection that we have this hope. Oh, death, where is your sting? The grave could not hold him down. And because we believe in him, Scripture actually says we believe into, inside of him. And because he rose, we too rise. <laughs> the beauty <laughs> is that I'm not going to just get some kind of a resurrection one day over there. Immediately I put my hope, my trust, my belief into Jesus. I am born again. I come alive, but fully alive by the power of the Spirit. Scripture says, I am a new creation or a new creature in Christ. My spirit has been made alive to Christ a resurrection has taken place spiritually I was dead immediately I believe boom I'm alive in Christ and eternal life begins the instant I put my faith in Jesus Daryl and I were just talking this week I've been mulling for months about, you know, when, when people are, are sharing the good news and saying, you know what, you too can be included. Come on! You know, this is Peter going fishing. Hey, come! Even as I'm following, you come follow too. And, and sometimes people will say, hey, as you get into this, just pray this prayer with me. And they say, just pray this simple prayer with me. You know, that's been bugging me for months. I said, Daryl, I think maybe we should change our language. I think we should invite people to pray the most profound prayer known to humankind. Because it's going to change their lives forever. It's not a simple prayer. It's a profound prayer. And immediately, boom, I believe. Whew. Resurrection. And we're going to get a bodily kind of resurrection at one point. Man, if you thought this was good. 
resurrection gives us living hope because of his great mercies. All right, homework. Because you interrupted me so many times this morning. But he goes on to say, now listen guys, even if for a little while you have to go through some trials, don't worry, God's got a perspective on these little trials. You're in exile, you're in lockdown. God's going to use this for your good. Come on, don't be grumpy about the lockdown. Don't be grumpy about your business going into distress. Little Marcus, he summons us to prayer. Born so early, boy did we pray. His distress (laughs) summons us to pray and God came through. Miracle. The distress was an opportunity for us to grow in faith. He's a living testimony. Yeah. What a privilege for us to walk this road with you. Thank you. We've learned so much. What do you think God is doing for all of us with lockdown? He says, guys, you're going to get that certificate. You know, it's not just Vili's getting the certificate for innovation. He says, your faith is going to be certified as being more valuable than gold. Gold, it's carrying a certificate. It's been tried, tested in the fire. Boom, this is its value, certified. But your faith, <laughs> Look at the certificate of your faith. It's been proven genuine through all kinds of various trials, difficulties, hardships through this lockdown, this exile. You can't run around and do what you want to do. Okay, so what are you going to do? Get grumpy? Get the mumps and the moans? Say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this thing. But you have been faithful. You've always been faithful. Love that Chris this morning just leading us in that. God, you've always been good. Oh, all right, Lord. We don't know how this is going to work out. But our eyes are on you. Let's stand. Oh, I'm stirred. I'm stirred to rethink, re-evaluate, reframe what's going on on the planet. This is a good year. This is a good year for God's people. This is a good year for you. And the benefit of this year is going to catapult you into the next decade with glory. Oh Lord, thank you. Giving us a higher perspective. Knowing that we can experience this new life because of our putting belief, hope, trust into Jesus. It's an anchor of hope for our souls. This living hope leading us, guiding us, steering us, carrying us, surrounding us, protecting us, shielding us, causing us to come into a place of greater faith and greater maturity. And even though in comparison to eternity, this is just a little while, we ask, Lord, for the grace and the strength 
the capacity, the endurance and the perseverance to push through all of these things that we might do so with such hearts and attitudes that bring honor and glory to your name. That we would be so different, people would look at us kind of like, are you an alien? Because we live so differently from the culture around us that we actually carry heaven's culture full of hope, promise, glory, peace, and joy. Hallelujah. We say amen and amen. Let it be so. Hallelujah. Thank you, Daryl.